Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. Well, this morning we are in part three of this series, New Year and New You, and we have the distinct honor and pleasure to have Joshua McLeod with us. He's going to be bringing the word to us this morning. This, this man of God has been a friend of mine for a number of years now, and uh, it's just been my honor and pleasure to know you and your family, and uh, we could do this whole big long bio of, of who you are and what you've <laughs> Don't done. Don't do that, and, please and, uh, But let me just, just take my word. This guy is a good guy to know. He has the Spirit of God on the inside of him. He's been given special revelation for the body of Christ. And so uh, about a month ago or so, we were uh, in a meeting together, and afterwards um, I said, hey, call me after, you know, after we're done here. He calls me, and I said, Holy Spirit just told me to say, you need to come speak to us in this series. And so uh, he said, hey, well, can I talk about such and such? I said, no, that's not what the Holy Spirit told me. He said, you need to talk about this. <laughs> so he made me work. He made me work. <laughs> yeah. So let's do this. Let's just uh, stretch our hands toward him right now. Let's thank pray and, re- and prepare our own hearts right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for my brother. We thank you that um, you, you brought him here to us this morning. He's a gift from you. He's a gift to the body of Christ. And Lord, thank you that you've anointed him to deliver the word to us today, this morning. So uh, just, just pray that you, Holy Spirit, put the right words in his mouth, the right ideas in his head, God. And Lord, I pray for us now that we would be positioned to receive whatever it is that you want to say to us. And God, that we would be different when we leave here than when Thank we you. came. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. You, Jesus. Everybody, welcome my friend Joshua McLeod. Thank you. Well, I've had the incredible honor of knowing J.D., and uh, I get to hang out with him on a regular basis, and it's funny, he was saying, I'm a gift. That's the first thing I wanted to say is, what what an incredible gift. I mean, you guys get this guy every week, uh, and it's an incredible gift. I just want to honor you and and thank you. um, We're actually going to be talking about gifts today and opening uh, the gifts of God. The passage that God put in my heart is 2 Peter 1, verses 3 through 8, and I'm going to be reading from the ESV version. That's, that's kind of the, generally the one that I study in and memorize, so um, I'm going to use that one today. Uh, let me go ahead and read this. This is 2 Peter 1, verses 3 through 8. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So today we're going to talk about opening the gifts of God. You know, it's interesting. I think I haven't been able to find anything in the last couple years that the internet wasn't able to answer. Uh, you know, you, I, I do a search, um, and there's, it's all, like, there's, like, there's a wiki how for just about anything. So we're in the new year. It's now the, the, the third week of our new year, but we're not too far from Christmas. And I actually, I found a wiki how called, uh, let me see, how to carefully open presents before Christmas without anyone else knowing. <laughs> And no, I'm serious. Listen to this. So here's kind of the list. So I started reading down this list, and I'm not, I'm not going to tell you how I came across this article. I just, it, it was there. So here's the first step. Make sure you choose to do this when no one is around. That's important. Okay, number two, go to where the presents are. Okay, there's this, you know, make sure... Oh, and choose a present you want to see. Make sure it's yours because you don't want to mess up somebody else's present by accident. The third, this is important, observe how the gift is wrapped. This will help you put it back together. The fourth, if you already have a prediction of what you might be getting, feel around the package for any textures that might give it away. But take care that you don't feel too hard or you might rip the package. The fifth, get a knife or scissors and cut through the tape on the edge but don't completely sever the tape. Use the knife or scissors to lift the edge of the tape away from the paper. The sixth, slide out the gift. If you're lucky, you can see the present from one side. If not, carefully slide it out. Don't rip the gift wrap. And it's funny, when you look at this on the internet, there's these pictures of this really sneaky kid. And you're just looking at this kid, you're like, he was really doing this. Uh, the seventh, you know, clean up your dirty work. Uh... Put it back exactly how it was. The eighth, um, make sure it looks like no one has touched it. And then finally, the ninth, and, and this might be the most imp important, is make sure you act surprised on Christmas Day. <laughs> so I was, I was reading this list, and I kind of, the, the thought that hit me was kind of like what happens at church on Sunday. So God has an entire slew of presents for us. He has gifts, faith, hope, love, freedom, strength, power. There's an entire, there's a cacophony of gifts that God has given to his church. And on Sundays, we sneak into church and we see, the we see this present, and there's like a little thing, and J.D.'s going to talk about hope, you know? So we're looking at the gift of hope, and we unwrap that thing, and he pulls it out, and you start looking, and you're like, hope, this is an amazing gift, and it's, it's mine. And then uh, Sunday afternoon, we're kind of like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and push that back, and I'll tape that back up, and then next Sunday, maybe I'll, I'll look at another gift. But the gifts of God are not for Sunday, only. They are for Sunday. But the gifts of God are for every single day of the week. And there are gifts that are given that we have to open. So today I want to talk about how to open the gifts of God. And I want to use this scripture passage that we talked about. You know, there's a difference between a gift and a reward. Um, and it's, as you read through the Bible, 
uh, you'll notice that there's, there's terminology that says gift, and then there's terminology that says reward. Uh, and there's terminology that says faith, and there's terminology that says works. And I'm not going to get into that. Uh, this, this one is only about gifts. But I will say this. There is not a single intro to anything of God that doesn't start with a gift. Uh, in 1 John 4, it says, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave himself for us. Love starts with God. Uh, you know, uh, Paul says, don't you know that, like, repentance is a gift from God? Like, the, the fact that you're even thinking about it is a gift. So in the kingdom of God, when you come to Jesus, when you start with Jesus, look for gifts. The kingdom of God always, always starts with gifts. So let's look at this in 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. It says, his divine power has granted to us. What does that mean? That means it's a gift. And it's also something we already have. So it's beautiful. In this passage of 2 Peter, he says, his divine power has and granted. Both of those are past tense. So when you become a believer, the gift happens. And now what does he give us? All things. Pretty comprehensive. (laughs) Uh, All things what? That pertain to life. Yes. Godliness. Yes. Through what? Through the knowledge of him who called us. What did he call us to? His own glory and excellence. By which, here it is again, he has granted to us his precious and very great what? Promises. You know, God promises a little different than a man promise. Because the God promise can't be broke. He makes a promise and it will happen. So what? So that we can be partakers of the divine nature. We can rap on God. Having escaped, there's the promise, the corruption that's in the world. Christian, if you're Christian, you have all things inside you already. It's a gift. He has given it to you. There are people sitting here that have gifts that they haven't opened. If you, if you have addiction, you haven't figured out how to open freedom. If you have fear, you haven't figured out how to open courage. If you have doubt, you haven't figured out how to open faith. Christian, Christian, there are gifts that we've got to open. I want to talk about how to do that. And that's what, that's what this scripture moves into. It says, for this very reason... Since the gifts are under the tree, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and so on. And that's what we're going to look at one by one. Let's start with faith. Now, what is faith? There's a big difference between belief and faith. So here's here's kind of an analogy. Belief is... Believing that something is and that something can happen. So I have belief that there is such a thing as a Boeing 747 airplane. I believe there is such a thing. And I believe that that airplane, this huge hunk of metal and machinery, will actually fly. 
You put, you put rocket boosters on behind this thing, and you build it, and aerodynamically designed, and that thing will fly. I believe that. You know what faith is? Faith is getting in the airplane. So there's a huge difference between belief and faith. Do you believe in God? Oh, I believe in God. Do you have faith in God? If you believe in God sitting over there, that's one thing. But if you have dived in and got in that airplane, because I'll tell you what, when you're up in the air, you're up in the air. You can't jump out of that thing. Unless there's some crazy people that do it. But you better have a parachute. Um, it's a real simple question, faith and belief. Uh, a lot of people believe. And a lot of people believe because they want the savior part of Jesus. I believe. Faith is when you have uh, the Lord part. He's not just the airplane. He's the airplane that I'm in. So is Jesus somebody you believe in or is Jesus somebody you follow? So there's two words in the Bible that explain the difference between faith and belief. Um, and there are, it's interesting because they're words that I think we, we really don't understand or we misuse them generally. Uh, the first word is repentance. And I see, because you just misunderstand this word, you already feel like, oh man, that's such a hard, heavy word. You know what repentance means? Repentance means you change your mind. Repentance is a word about thinking. We've been sold a bill of goods that Christians aren't thinking. You know, I've, I've, been, uh, I've been listening to uh, one of my favorite uh, preachers, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He is the most thinking person I've ever heard. He puts, he puts people to shame by how much he thinks. And the word repentance means think. We think it means feel. I want to feel bad. That's not repentance. Repentance is, you know what? I've been thinking about this whole thing all wrong. Before we repent, we think we're the best leader of our life. Before we repent, we think we've got this all figured out and it's all about us. And when we think about it, we go, you know what? Dang, God is actually smarter than me. <laughs> and you know what? God's plan for me is actually better than my plan for me. I never thought about that before. If you have faith, it started with your brain. Goodness, think about Jesus. The second word is obedience. So if I think and I got it down, but I don't act on what I thought about, I don't get the promise. If there's a gift of God, it needs to be opened. Listen, obedience is how we open the promises of God. Now, why? This is another hard word. Obedience. Like, oh, man, you already said repentance. Now you're saying obedience in the same sermon? You're going to beat us up. Where does, why does God want us to obey? Yeah. Boom. <laughs> Do you know God... God doesn't need us to obey so that he feels better. God wants us to obey because he wants us to unlock his promises. We can't have the promises of God if we're not following the God's plan. God is, we just think, oh, 
Oh, that, that guy right there, man, he's just not obeying. It makes me so sad. God's like, oh, man, I've got the promise. I gave him the gift. I put it under the tree. It's sitting right there. I want him to have everything for life and godliness. I've already given it to him. But are we going to do it? Are we going to pick up that gift? Are we going to obey? Faith starts with belief. It moves into thinking and repentance. Then we act on that in obedience, and it results in the promises of God. So let's look at these um, if you, if, you, um, if you haven't changed your mind and Jesus is just the Savior but not the Lord, that's one of the reasons why you're not experiencing the gifts and the power of God. So it starts with faith. This whole passage, Peter is saying, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. It's the ground. It's the foundation. If you've got faith, let's move on. The second word is virtue. I've read, I've read this, uh, I studied this word, and it just, it shocked me. Virtue, do you know what virtue is? The definition, the, the Greek translation of this word, the best um, synonym we have is the word virtuosity. It's yo-yo ma on the cello. If you're a Christian and you have faith, do you know what step two is? Be exceptionally excellent. That's Christianity. I think sometimes we get so stuck because we've accepted mediocrity. If we, have, if we are not pursuing excellence, if we are not pursuing the best of the best, then you know what? We're just kind of getting by. We're mediocre. We got time. Well, maybe I'm going to walk down this path I shouldn't walk to. Maybe I'm going to walk down this path. If you are a Christian, you have an unfair advantage for excellence. God doesn't want just your excellence. He's decided to give you some of his. If you are a Christian, supplement your faith with excellence. When someone says your name, Christian, is the first thought that comes to their mind, excellence. Because that's what this word is. Virtue is dissatisfaction with mediocre. If you want to know the excellence of God, you have to pursue the excellence of God. So a lot of times, we are not opening the gifts of God because we're settling for mediocre. If you are a Christian, supplement your faith with virtue. The next word that, Paul, or that Peter uses here, and I just got to say this. We're talking about Peter writing this stuff. Y'all remember Peter from the Bible? Peter, if like, I think the first definition of Peter in the Bible was knucklehead. I mean, he's the guy, he's putting his foot in his mouth. He, he made it an art. He figured out how to put his foot in his mouth before he said anything good. This second epistle of Peter is written before he's dying. This is the old guy talking. This is somebody that has walked life and he has gone through. And this was an uneducated fisherman who was a nobody. 
And now he's speaking to the church and he's saying, supplement your faith with virtue. Be excellent. And then, I mean, that's Peter. That's what Christianity does. It's awesome. We have divine nature. Supplement your, your faith with virtue and your virtue with knowledge. There's a... Uh, there's an old TV show, it's black and white, um, called The Beverly Hillbillies. Any of you guys old enough to watch The Beverly Hillbillies? Okay, everybody at least knows what this is. So, in this song, you know, I, I, I'm trying to imagine, it's like, this here's a story about a man named Jed. Poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed. Then one day he was shooting at some food, and up through the ground come a bubbling crude. Y'all know this song? Yeah. So... So, so think about this for a second. Old Jed owned a lot of land, but he's so poor, he, he doesn't, he, he's eating rabbits and he's hunting. He owns a multi-million dollar oil reservoir. It's on his land, and he spends his life walking around all over it. If you, if you have a bank account with, billion, with a billion dollars in it, but you don't know that it exists, it's just as good as not being there. So guess what? We've got a word of God that is the riches and the depth of God. It's an oil mine sitting under the land that we already own. God has given us all things. He calls them in promises. So I just... Jed had to shoot at the food to get the crude. We have to open the word of God if we want to understand God. You know, there's, it's crazy. I, 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 we talk to people, you know, about reading the Bible. And it's like, spend five minutes in your day, you know, reading the Bible. And we're like, man, I really, I did God a big favor today. I, I woke up and, I mean, I was tired. The word of God is a treasure map. The word of God is like the secret code of God. It's, there's, there's unfathomable treasures, line after line after line after line of promise and power and gift. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna just say, oh, man, I did God a favor? Are you serious? If you want to open the gifts of God, you have to open the word of God. J.D. is doing his best to come up here on Sunday and, and say, guys, there's a treasure in here. But J.D. can only give you one gift at a time. And there are millions and thousands and thousands of gifts to have every day. Open the word of God. Supplement your virtue with knowledge. The next word is self-control. You know, self-control is something that needs development. Uh, I really, I, this really bothered me for a while because I just prayed a lot for self-control. Dear God, uh, I don't really like self-control, so please just give me that. <laughs> I'm going to sit over here eating potato chips and watching movies, and you're just going to give me self-control. <laughs> self-control needs development. 
Uh, I think we're so hard on ourselves because we think self-control doesn't need development. You know, we see self-control as like being able to do 100 push-ups. And so then we're like, man, I can't do 100 push-ups. So I just don't have any self-control. It's just horrible. Self-control starts with one push-up. Self-control starts with, oh, I can't even, I'm trying, mm, let, me, let me do this, you know? I can barely get that, but I'm working the muscles. Uh, we need to stop being so hard on ourselves about self-control. Self-control is something that is developed. So the question is, are we developing self-control? Uh, in, my, in my work, I'm a consultant, and so I... Um, I've, I read a lot of business books, and I, I've, I found myself reading all these books about behavioral change, and I discovered that in order to develop good habits, and, and the best way to remove bad habits is actually to develop good habits, that there's four ingredients necessary to develop a good habit, a new habit. I think it's on the next slide. Um, education, <laughs> motivation, tools and accountability. So I want, to, I want to talk about those a little bit. So I'm just going to talk about, um, give you an example of why each of these tools is, is really necessary. So education. Let's say I want to be healthy, and I do want to be healthy. <laughs> um, if I don't know how to be healthy, then I'm not even going to start. So... We have, a, we have a plague in our society called soft drinks. And everybody knows that soft drinks are bad for you. Um, but I didn't know how really bad for you they were. So I started reading facts and I learned that like a little can of Coke has like 600 spoonfuls of sugar in it. <laughs> it's actually like 17 or something like that. It's like this one Coke is like... Like, just, you know, the next time, just take, like, your Coke and just dump 17 spoonfuls of sugar. Like, that's a Coke. So when I'm educated about that, I'm like, hmm, I probably shouldn't do that. Well, then it's like, no, there's Diet Coke. Well, this doesn't have any calories. And then I discovered Diet Coke actually teaches your body to store fat. So here's this, I'm, I'm drinking a Diet Coke. I'm like, you lied to me. This, this, this stuff, it... I drink it, it doesn't have any calories, and then it tells my body, everything you eat after this Diet Coke, you need to store the fat. <laughs> now, I'm serious, these are real things. But if I'm not educated about them, I don't even know. So if I wanna have a habit, if I wanna develop a good habit about health, I have to become educated. But we all know this is true. We all know that Coke is not good for us. So now we need a little bit more, we need motivation. So, you know, for me, my motivation for health is actually mobility. So we live in a society right now where uh, I'm going to live longer than I, I would have likely before because of all the advances in technology and, and medicine. But the thing is, I don't want to spend the last 10 years of my life not being able to go on a hike. So for me, I want to be healthy now so that I can be mobile later. And so I, when I'm looking at that Coke, I'm like, do I want to spend the last 10 years of my life in a bed? Or do I want to spend a hike? Oh, it's so tempting. Nope, I want to hike. So I turn that thing down. You know, in the kingdom of God, we have the best mobility thing that ever was. It's the love of God. 
If you want to develop a new habit to open the presence of God and the power of God because he loves you, that's an incredible motivator. But we also need tools. So if, I, if I'm motivated to be healthy and I go to work and there's a refrigerator that's full of Coke every day and the Snickers and Coke are right here in the fridge, then what's the tools that are available to me? The tools of dishealth are available. Well, give myself tools. So I've got this fancy iWatch and it tells me how many steps I did every day. And I feel bad inside if I don't get 10,000 steps. <laughs> so I've got this tool. And finally, there's accountability. Uh, I've got this thing that I step on that tells me my number. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and that's a good accountability. Guess what? That thing broke. <laughs> you all know what happened when that thing broke. Because I didn't have accountability. So... Uh, if you don't have good habits or self-control, the dumbest thing you can do is beat yourself up about it. That's the dumbest thing. Guess what? If, if y'all are like me and you all are like me, ain't none of us have good self-control. None of us. You know what? We all know that we're loved. We all know that we're cherished. What do we do? Let's get some tools, some education, some accountability, some motivation, and let's develop good habits. Let's do it in community. Don't beat yourself up. There are gifts that are inappropriate for uh, certain, certain people. It's not a good idea to give my two-year-old a power drill. Okay? Some of the gifts that God wants to give us, we have to develop to be able to withstand and use that gift. And we do that by developing good habits in our life. Okay, the next word is steadfastness. Do you all ever look up like the meanings of words? Um, I do that every, every, I've got my little Strong's Concordance app and I, I look up these words. And I looked up this word steadfastness. And you know what the, you know what the definition is for steadfastness? Cheerful endurance. What? <laughs> How are you going to put those two words, cheerful and endurance, in the same sentence? Because when I'm enduring something, I am not cheerful about it. Well, I'm doing my taxes. This is really great. <laughs> the word steadfastness means cheerful endurance. I know something. I have eight children. And one of the things that I learned is that if you have a hard task and you decide to complain about it, it becomes infinitely harder. Okay, four-year-old, it's time to get ready for bed. In four seconds, my four-year-old, super happy smiling, turns into a dead fish. Flump. <laughs> what did I say? Somehow getting ready for bed, this is a hard task. It was a dead fish. Flump. Four seconds later, they become someone that is grieving at the wailing wall <laughs> over the, the worst thing that has ever happened in their life. 
My four-year-old has to develop some steadfastness. But I want to tell you something. This is very true. I I hope you remember this. Um, Complaining is a drug. Thankfulness is a weapon. You cannot be someone who endures. You cannot be someone who is steadfast if you're complaining. The word steadfast means endurance with cheerfulness. God doesn't want his saints to be people who just endure and complain. He wants his people to be those who endure with cheerfulness. I, I've, re- I've read a lot of books, like I was saying. One of, the, one of the trends that I've seen in all books is like, thankfulness is actually something you develop. It is not, it's a trained habit. Uh, and the more thankful you are, the happier you are. But we have to train our minds to respond. So, example, I'm driving down the road, I get a flat tire. What comes to your mind? this is going to ruin my day. This is terrible. That stupid tire, that salesman should have said this. Now, what I've just done is I've taken a bad thing and I've multiplied it. Now, it's not just a bad thing. It's the worst thing in the world. Or I train my mind to say, I got a flat tire. Man, I'm thankful I haven't had a flat tire in 10 years. (laughs) Man, I didn't get into an accident. I'm so thankful this car's over on the side of the road. Man, I have a cell phone. I'm so thankful. Endurance is about not just going through the thing. Endurance is about training our mind how to respond to the thing. If you want to pick up some of the most incredible gifts of God, face challenges with thankfulness. The next is godliness. You know, I, I, this, this was a hard one. Um, I, t- I told JD, like, JD said, Josh, I, wanna, I want you to come preach. I'm like, I got the best sermon in the bag. It's already done. I don't have to prepare. <laughs> and then he's like, no, 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 no. This is the sermon. You got to do this. So this word godliness, like, took me, like, three days of saying, God, what is this? What is, what is godliness? What does godliness look like? What is godliness? And I looked up the definitions, and I did all that, but it still wasn't scratching the itch. And finally, one morning, I woke up, and uh, God told me what godliness was. He said, godliness is living a life where you're more concerned about what God thinks than what anybody else thinks. Amen. You know, if I'm, if I'm preparing a sermon with godliness, I'm hanging out with Jesus. I'm just, I'm like, God... What can I do that's going to serve people? What can I do that's going to love people? If I'm preparing a sermon without godliness, I'm like, I'm going to phrase this perfect, and then I'm going to say this, and everybody's going to be like, ha, ha, and there's going to be this and this. That's not godliness. And, and, and I mean, it's, it's interesting. If you think about it, the Pharisees had this life of perfection. They spoke perfect. They acted perfect. They did all this godly stuff. Oh, man, that, thou is the godliest man. Thou hast fasted so longeth. <laughs> That's not godliness. Thou prayest six hours a dayeth. That's not godliness. 
Godliness is where, oh, Jesus, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. Oh, Jesus, I want to be someone that people can stand on, God. I want to get underneath people. I want to serve in the strength that God provides. Now, it's interesting, though. I think it's interesting that Peter, at the end of his life, when he was listing these things out, he didn't put that. He didn't put that first. And I'm like, why? You know, why would Peter put this like after this other stuff? And I think if we're not careful, uh, and John wrote about this in Revelation, he said, you can have a form of godliness but deny its power. So you, ca- you can't just sit around and, oh, I'm all Jesus, and not supplement your faith with virtue and virtue knowledge and knowledge self-control, and self-control steadfastness, and then steadfastness godliness. So we don't want to be, we don't just want to be hearers of the word and not doers of the word. You know, um, godliness, the next one is brotherly affection. This also was a difficult one, but you know what brotherly affection means? Intimacy. It's the word uh, Philadelphia, which if you've been in Philadelphia, they have got a lot to learn about Philadelphia. Uh, You know what intimacy is? Intimacy is where you're not trying to front anything and you're just being who you are, warts and all, and you just lay it out there And then that person looks at you and says, I love you just like that. And the best way to have intimacy with people is to love them just like that for them. Um, Intimacy takes work. Uh, Intimacy looks, often starts like ugly, like, oh, really? (laughs) 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 So you got to be careful you got to be careful who you, who you share intimacy with. I'll tell you, the best, the best gift that you get for this is your spouse. If God gives you a spouse, because you can't hide who you really are. Your children, you can't hide who you really are. Uh, and so you develop that intimacy. And, and so here's a, here's a kind of a lesson about developing brotherly affection is time. Uh, I had a... I had a uh, I had, to look, I had to make my schedule for the year. And I was thinking about, you know, I need intimacy with God, and that's called solitude. But I need intimacy with my wife, and that's time. And I need intimacy with my kids, and that's time. And I need intimacy with my friends, and that's time. And I'm like, I have a business and three nonprofit organizations and eight children. Time is not a luxury. I don't get time. And God said, well, if you're going to put something on your calendar, the very first thing you put is intimacy. I want time with me. I want time with your wife. I want time with your kids. I want time with your friends. And you take everything else off your calendar. You put that down, and then you put everything else back in your calendar. And if stuff gets pushed off, great. You might have to change some things. To develop brotherly affection takes time. And finally, it's love. 
And this, if you've ever been in church for more than a, a month, you're, you're going to hear the word agape. And love, this is what love is. Love is being so filled with God that you overflow with that love towards other people. I want to say that again. Love is being so filled with God that you overflow to other people. I, 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 there, there are gifts that have already been given. It's not a work to open a gift. It's a gift to open a gift. Faith is a gift. Open the gift. Virtue is a gift. Open the gift. Knowledge, it's a gift. Open the gift. Self-control, it's a gift. Open that gift. Steadfastness, it's a gift. Open the gift. Brotherly kindness and love and affection, it's a gift. Open the gift. Godliness, it's a gift. Open the gift. Love, it's a gift. Open the gift. The sermon, the series that J.D. is talking about is your best year ever. Don't get to the end of your year with any unopened presents. You take every one of them presents, you open it up. Uh, I believe God is going to do this. I believe that your, your, your church will see more gifts than you can imagine develop this year. And uh, there's prayer people up on the sides. I'll come pray with anybody that wants prayer. If any of those words sticks with you, where you're like, I don't even have faith. I, don't, I'm not, I, need, I need anointing for virtue. I don't have self-control. I don't have steadfastness. I complain every time anything's hard. I don't have knowledge. I don't, I, don't, I don't even know how to open my book. You know, go and pray with somebody. God is going to open that gift for you right now, today, and he's going to open, you're going to continue to open gifts all year long. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Joshua. Would you stand up with me? God, we just declare now that we want every single gift. We want all of them. Just go ahead right now in your own words and tell him. I think right now, uh, God, there's some of us who we've, we've believed a lie. We believed a lie that the gifts weren't all for us, not all of them. Maybe we thought we did some things that, that disqualified us from, from getting gifts. But Jesus, we thank you that you provided through what you've done every single gift, every single spiritual blessing is available to us. Not because of what we do or don't do, but because of what you've done. So now help us, Holy Spirit, see how we can walk in a way that unwraps these gifts and not just put them back into their wrapping, not just put them back under the tree after Sunday's over. But God, that we unwrap those and, and use them 
like you always intended for us to do every single day. Lord, I pray as we find freedom, as we find out how to walk in these gifts, how to use these gifts, that we can come alongside our other brothers and sisters and we can help them. We can help them unwrap gifts. So we do this together in community. Lord, I thank you. This year, we declare, will be our best year ever. Because for every single one of us, God, for every single one of us, it can be our best year ever because it can be our best year spiritually. God, we, we don't care what the circumstances look like. We don't care if the, if the deck is stacked against us in life. God, that makes no difference. Because with intimacy with you and our obedience, it can be the best year ever. We just declare that. We come into agreement with that right now in the name of Jesus. And if you agree, agree with that, say amen. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.